Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcasts. It's like radio. But it's not on the radio. Hogan Johns. We will be perfect. Obsession. In every aspect of the game. Being obsessed. Low snap, but Foles comes away with it. Look out from behind, and there he goes at the 25-yard line. Oh, look out, it's picked off. Picked off by Smith. Fires picked off in the end zone. Adrian Amos with the pick. WGN Radio's very own Adam Ho. I'm sorry, I don't know what just happened. Dissolve? What's Dissolve. Is that even a word? And the Chicago Sun-Times, Adam Johns. Problem is, we suck. We do not suck. Bring you Chicago's best Bears coverage. Trubisky yes! stepping up, fires on the sideline. Robinson makes the catch, but a flag is down. It's ruled a touchdown, but there's a flag down. Bowles sidearms it, and it will be caught for the touchdown by Golden Tate. And, oh, he hits the upright Obsession. My oh my! obsessed. And now, here they are. Perfection. The Adams. Yeah, baby. Hogan Johns. That just happened. (laughs) Well, it still happened. Yep. What just happened? I hope everyone is uh, hanging in there this week. There's definitely a depression over the city of Chicago. You can feel it. I got an email from a grandmother in Morton Grove. Not my grandma, but a grandmother in Morton Grove offering Cody Parkey kicking advice. Okay. She re-watched, re-watched every single kick of his this season. She broke down the tape. Yes. Impressive. From a grandmother in Morton Grove. What was her advice? He's got to move to, to his right a little bit, two steps. He, he's leading to his left. I could read it okay. later in the show if you like. So but. what about all the times he hit the right post? I don't know. Look, I'm no kicking expert. I'm just leaving it to the grandmother in Morton Grove. Everybody's right. passionate about the miss here, Adam. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, man, it's it. there's so much that went into this game uh, on on Sunday. We're going to get into all of it. I've you know, spent a lot of time looking at the tape. There's, I, I don't think people realize how many close plays there were throughout this football game and how many mistakes really the Bears made in the second half, too. You want to? I here's what I'll say. I heard a caller, and it very rarely does a caller make so much sense that I'm like, wow, that actually is a perfect way to put it. But I think it was on Waddle and Sylvie yesterday. I'm driving around, and I heard this caller, and he said, "Cody Parkey didn't lose the game; he just failed to win it." I heard that makes perfect sense, and it actually is a hundred percent accurate because. He did not. There's so many other things that went into losing the game, but he could have righted everything. He could have won it and, and, and won it, and he just failed to win it. Um, and we're I I just that that made so much sense to me when I heard that, and and it is right. I wish I remembered the guy's name, but anyway, I'll we'll just call him Marty from Bridgeport. Yeah, something. Like, it's probably his name or Grandma from. Morton Grove. Grove. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, episode 213 of Hogan Johns, the season 
amazingly has come to a crashing halt. And uh, we thought we'd be talking about different stuff this week. We're not. Uh, but we'll get you through it. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Joe Romano is here with us today at Joey Joe Rowe. Uh, I'm here. Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Oh, no. Hi, Joey Jojo. Boy, you sound depressed, Joe. Yep, I'm down. But not for long. Not for long. Is this worse than when Michigan lost to Ohio State? <laughs> no. Jeez, I don't know, man. That's tough. Um, <laughs> you know, it's weird because we were here on Friday night uh, doing the live show and <laughs> talking about, you know, plans for next Friday. And, you know, yeah. w- w- the, almost almost to the point where we were previewing more about the Rams than about the Eagles. And, uh, man, it just... We had a studio booked in L.A. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we were ready to do this thing. Hogan Johns invade KTLA. Here we go. That w- it would have been a new new experience for us. would have been great. Um, well, it, it didn't Hogan Johns gone Hollywood, actually. Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, literally in Hollywood. Yeah, I looked up where KTLA is. Never been there. It's like in Hollywood. Yes, literally. They would have put a star on Hollywood Boulevard for us. I, I mean, I think they would have. missed their big chance. Yeah, we did. Uh, you can read us at WGNRadio.com slash BearsChicagoSuntimes.com. Plenty of things up there to read on uh, on what happened Sunday. There'll be more. And, of course, search Hogan Johns wherever you listen to your podcast. Please rate and review it. We appreciate you doing that. Um, first and foremost, the most important thing I saw on the tape, experienced it live, too. I, I, I just could not believe it actually happened. The boom worked. It did. As director of Boom, I am very, very uh, pleased that Big it worked. Mission accomplished over there? I'm shocked. They did it on the other kickoffs as well. I'm not shocked that they tried it. I'm shocked that it was that loud. Yes. That many people were into it. Yeah, yeah. You could hear it loudly on the broadcast, too. Pop power, social media. Very impressive. Well done, director of Boom. I didn't do anything. <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> Although maybe bringing it up in the press conference helped. I don't know. Well, yes. Director of Boom, you you, you did it. Mission accomplished. Okay. Director of Boom. I, I'll give more credit to Chase Daniel and Greg Braggs and whoever else was involved yes. with that on social media. As the assistant to the director of Boom, okay. my first thing <laughs> that I want to tell you is take credit until somebody tells you not to, you know, that it wasn't your your credit to take. Okay. Because you know Pat Finley's going to come in here and be like, you know, Chase Daniel retweeted my story. Yeah, he will try to. He seems salty at me. I think it's because of the director of Boom thing. Yes. He came after me on Twitter on Saturday night, <laughs> and then in the press box. Yeah, then he was like yelling at me in the press box about two hours before kickoff. Just settle down, Pat. Relax. <laughs> so I, that's the first thing that jumped out at me on tape. Opening kickoff, boom! boom. It was good. All right. Um, there, I have a list of things that were just so close in this game. And most football games are like that. I'm not going to... And they're magnified when you lose. But there was a... Comp- magnified in the playoffs yeah. when you lose. But that's really what I want to get a point. at. Is we talked all week, would the inexperience in the playoffs matter? And after watching the tape, I, my conclusion is it did. That the tiny little details in the game... And, and don't get me wrong, the Eagles made plenty of mistakes too. Yeah. You know, those third down penalties they had on the first two field goal drives that the, that the Bears had, those were killers for the Eagles. So every football team can look at this stuff in most games. But, um, you know, there were just so many uh, minor details. Like, 
going back to the, I believe it was second quarter. Remember when Trubisky threw that interception to Avante Maddox, but then it was overturned on replay? Yes. Okay. Like that very, very well could have, he could have gotten his foot in and that would have been a critical turnover. On the flip side, the next play, they took a shot downfield to Allen Robinson. And I actually thought it was a well-placed ball and a nice catch by Allen Robinson. But the defender made a nice play to push him out of bounds, preventing him from getting that second foot in. That I, They end up punting there. You know, that just the crucial inches here uh, on some of these big plays. You had the odd Anthony Miller no-catch catch fumble situation. Did you talk to him after the game? He said he didn't catch it. He believed he did not catch it. I don't think he caught it. I'm. It, it, it officially almost was a catch, was it not? I'm shocked that the, that they well they did they ruled it a catch, catch. Yes, that he had possession, and that I don't think he had possession. It, uh, Cravon LeBlanc's and hand, his was, arm was that, that's what he said after the game. He never had full control. I don't know how you get a full control when there's another human arm in there. You know, if you go to the ground and then rip it away from him, sure. But I, I'm just, with all the catches this year that they have not overturned, which has been an emphasis, they want to see it clear cut, which I agree. Like, I think replay should really be used for these egregious errors in officiating. If there's any debate, I like that they keep that it stands. So for them to come back and our guy Al Riveron to say, oh, it's a catch, but then no one recovered the fumble. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. He's a robot. He kind of is. Play that again. Hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Yes, he's a robot. And he was on Good Morning Football the next day, breaking this play down. I don't know if you saw that. How robotic were his movements? He's always got his sweater on, his Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels sweater. <laughs> but he that's how they ruled this thing. Now, the rule is weird. I did not know this rule. That you could actually have a catch, fumble, nobody recovers it. It goes back to the See, start I, of the play. I, I, but I, the more I think about it, I actually think I realize why the rule is that way. Well, because you don't want to penalize the, the defense in, in a certain extent. That's what I would believe. The Except they have equal opportunity to also pick it up. Right, but I right, think right. the key in the situation is that they realize in this situation... The pass is being ruled incomplete. So you have a referee that is blowing the whistle, waving his arms right there in front of these two players. Why would they pick up the ball? Now, we'll get to whether or not they should or not, but I, you can understand why they wouldn't go pick up the ball when there's a referee standing right there ruling it. So I, I was on Sports Talk Live on Monday, and Cap went in hard. Yeah, Cap was, I, I know. On, was. on this point. Bill Belichick's using this as a coaching point. And, and I get it. Bill Belichick's the, the, the best coach of all time. Lovey Smith's Bears would have picked it up. And, and I'm like, I'm not so sure they would have. This is not as egregious as the James Anderson play against the Packers a few years ago. It's not. But I did text a couple of Lovey's former players to find out, like, in practice, did you work on this? I know what they're going to say. They're going to say absolutely yes. But they did. They yeah. did. Any ball the, that was sitting there. The offensive player would not have picked it up. I, I am sorry. I don't care if it was. Right. The Musima. defense. Right. Yeah, yes. So, But the Bears were on offense. Well, that's what I was going to get to. The defense guys were trained to do that. Yes. So it's more on the Eagles for not picking it up. But I don't blame Anthony Miller or Ben Broniker, who was close there. The officials literally right there waving it off. Yeah. No catch. 
Yeah, and that's the thing I noticed too is not only is he standing right there, but he's called like moving towards the action moving towards miller and the defender almost to like put himself between you know the ball and and the two players i thought it was not an egregious action but if he knows that the rule if if he knows the the rule book he shouldn't have been doing that he should just stand where he's at and like hey if you guys want to pick up this ball go get it 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 almost seemed like he was getting in the way of anybody coming to well, go get the ball well they called it an incomplete catch right but i look I, so I get why they didn't, but going forward, that should absolutely be taught. Like I, I, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick for a reason, and he on Monday showed this play to his team and said, "You go pick up any ball." So offense, defense, going forward, you if there's a football laying on the ground in the field of play, not out of bounds, you go pick it up. Like it, it sounds crazy, and maybe only one time out of a thousand in that situation. It, it, I think it's just so easy to say in hindsight when the official is literally right there, who's he's approaching the ball himself, mm-hmm. waving it off as no catch, and he's the one going for the ball as well. Right, like it, it's. So I, I get what people are saying, but I don't think that's the most egregious thing of that game. No, I agree. No, I'm, like I'm not trying to put blame. I'm just yeah. saying going forward, they better do this. Yeah, because we've now seen this in the Bears' last two, what I would call playoff games. The last one wasn't really a playoff game, but it was a play-in game in Week 17. Well, that play literally cost the Bears the game, and that was a fumble. Yeah, and it should have been picked up. And we were in the press box saying that's a live ball, like yeah. in the moment. But, but the, the officials allowed the play; they didn't blow it dead. Right. In this case, the play they, was blown, they blown dead. dead. Yes. So let's get back to the rule, because it is blown dead. And I could see the rule seemed mind-boggling to me, because if you're ruling in a catch, in any other situation, the fumble's not recovered, the offense gets the ball at the spot where the fumble happened. Or if it goes out of bounds, the offense gets the ball at the spot of the fumble. So why is there this weird situation where they bring it all the way back like the play didn't exist? Well, I get it, because... The, again, the officials telling both of the teams that it's incomplete. Yes. So, in a, and otherwise, you're giving the offense in that situation an advantage over an officiating mistake instead of the defense. So, I think the rule is there to make it fair for both teams to not be penalized by the official. I, I think the the most unfortunate thing about that is when you see incomplete passes. Sometimes, sometimes it's right there, still in the hands of the offensive player, like underneath them. And he gets up and automatically picks the ball and flips it back to the official. Yeah. So in this case, if Anthony Miller did that, it would have been a completed catch, would it not? They yeah. would have gotten the ball right there. Yeah, they would have. And if that had happened, this is why I brought it up with one of the plays. I mean, you're, you're sitting right there near the goal line. And uh, I believe that was still the... They got the, the field goal there in that situation because I think that was the last drive of the second... Correct. Second I think quarter. I think two plays after that, that's when the errant throw, the near interception in the end zone happened, is it not? Which was what I was going to bring up again as, as another example. Because Trubisky should have been picked by Trey Sullivan. Yeah. I mean, that was, in my opinion, the worst decision throw he made yeah. the entire I'd game. I'd call it the worst throw of his game, of the entire e- game. Even him. worse than the one that actually was picked off for a second and yeah. reversed. They were both bad, but this one's in the end zone. And if you look at the end zone angle from the, uh, the coach's tape... I mean, I have no idea what he was looking at. Yeah. However, that ball bounced right to Anthony Miller, and he almost caught it yeah. for a touchdown. Again, game of inches. And, and, and I'm trying to tell you, it goes both ways. Yeah. But 
Can I give you a play to see if it's on your list? Sure. The completion or non-completion, incompletion, you could call it, but it was a completed pass. On the play to Allen Allen Robinson had the 45-yarder with the sluggo route. And on the play immediately after that, Trubisky threw one to him, and he was out at the four. Incomplete catch, but he caught it. That should have been a catch. Not, he needs to get his two feet in bounds on that play. So wait, which play is this again? It's the, the play immediately following the 45-yard gain after the slug out route. Slug out route. Oh, late. No, this is the third quarter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, to Allen Robinson? Yes. Yes, I have it highlighted right here. Okay. Sorry, I thought you said Anthony Miller. Yes, That's why yes, I was confused. Yes, no, it, w- it would have been... I forget the exact yardage, but he was out at the four. And that's a catch a receiver needs to make in terms of completing the process of it. Two feet in. The Bears would have had first and goal from the four. Instead, they settled for a field goal. So I wasn't sure. That actually is on my list. Um, I, I wasn't did sure. I, did I explain that clearly enough? Yeah, you did. You did. And, okay. and I, I, watching it, I wasn't sure if Mitch... Should have kept that ball a little bit more inside, like he let him a little bit too much, or if Allen should have gotten his feet in. But you I, know how much they practice that. I know, I know. That, but uh, again, we're talking about an inch. That's what I mean. He yeah. got his feet down, but his toes were out of bounds. Yep. Maybe he thought he had more room. You talk to Allen Robinson or any other receiver in the NFL, they know they have to make that catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. First drive, third quarter. I saw this live from the press. You can't really tell from the game broadcast, but upstairs, I don't know if you saw this, but I could see it. It was a third and one. Howard ran, like, left tackle, left guard. Oh, and it clears, yes. And if he had gotten through the line, I don't know that he would have scored because the safety would have been faster, but he was all the way on the other side. Yeah, It would have been close. Wide open. And they at least would have been inside the 10 or 5-yard line. And he tripped over Adam Shaheen. Once I saw the end zone, it, it just it, it nicked Adam Shaheen's leg, and he didn't get through cleanly. That was on my list as well. I, I, I have three plays on my list because I knew you would have a list, so <laughs> I made mental notes of, of three plays. Um, how many times have we seen that happen to Jordan Howard where he trips, he slams the ball, on the f- he slams his fist on the ground, and goes back to the huddle? Yeah, I feel like we've seen it this season about five or six times where more yardage was there, maybe not as wide open as this case. It's balance. It's it's for a guy who makes his career on breaking tackles. Like, yeah. what happened? So, it was 6-3 at that point. They score. I mean, it's 13-3. We're talking about a different second half. Oh, yeah. Um, then, I believe, the next drive for the Eagles was when they, it was, yeah, the next drive was when the Eagles went down and scored their touchdown. And we'll get to the mistakes the Bears made in a second. But this is just a list of like small plays that could have gone maybe either way. Uh, and you're talking about if any of these go the Bears' way, it's a much different game. If they go the Eagles' way, yeah, they they, they you know maybe it's not a, maybe it doesn't come down to the field goal. But um, and then I don't know if you saw this one. I didn't notice this until I watched the coach's tape. Didn't realize it live. Bears are up fifteen to ten. Defense is on the field, and Eagles were backed up towards their their own end. Mac got to Foles, 
and affected the pass. And the ball kind of floated in Kyle Fuller slip are we getting to? Kyle Fuller slips. He was going to intercept that pass. And he fell down. I didn't even notice it. Did you notice it live? I didn't notice it. I saw him fall down. Okay. I didn't know if he'd still be close enough because that, that thing fluttered up there for a while. I felt like a couple of his passes, Foles' passes, fluttered up there for a while. But, yeah, he was going to pick it off. Now, I don't know if he would have had a chance to, but it's still, to it's return it for a touchdown. interception of the game. He would have been catching it in stride. And he would have had a chance. And either way, even if he doesn't return it for a touchdown, this interception would have been in the deep in the Eagles' territory. Yes. And the Bears had a 15-10 lead. I mean, these are the plays where you're where you're kind of delivering the knockout blow. It's 15-10, fourth quarter. You get that ball there, you're probably at least getting a field goal, although that's obviously not a given. <laughs> so they With actually the situation. But they could have gone up 18-10. Yeah. So they actually stopped them on that series, that possession, right? They did, but it ended up being a punt. That was right before the three and out. Yes, I, I wanted to get to that three and out, right. which was ghastly. Ghastly. Well, it was just a bad performance. There wasn't any kind of like, oh, this could have happened, this could have happened. It was just a bad thing. They got beat. The, the, yeah. a, a blitz beat them on first down. The pressure beat them on second down. And then you're looking at, what, third and 16? Backed up in your own end zone or your own territory? Yeah. What are you going to do? A little bit of pressure. like a, I think it was a three-man pressure. Uh, drop it off to Cohen. A little something. And then the worst pump of Pat O'Donnell's career. Which was a, one of the plays I have on the, the bad list. Coaches will tell you, games oftentimes come down to five plays that can go either way. I got seven here. Highlighted on my notes. Then we can get all the plays the Bears actually can point their finger at themselves, point the thumb at themselves and be like, you just didn't really come to play with... And, and these these are plays that some of them could have happened in the regular season, but some were really surprising. So the first one I have on my list, late second quarter, Tariq Cohen drops a screen pass and had blockers in front of him. I don't know if he would have scored because it was like three on three and actually it looked like one of the guys up ahead missed their block, but then Cody Whitehair was there. He had block. The point is he had blockers. He had space. It probably would have been a first down, maybe even a bigger game because he's Tariq Cohen and maybe could have made somebody miss. For him to drop a screen in that situation, very unlike him. Yes. And a crucial play, even though it was the first half. Then you look at the Eagles' first scoring drive and everything that went wrong defensively. Adrian Amos has the personal foul on Ertz. That's one where that happens during the regular season. You teach these guys to play a certain way. It's bang, bang. It's definitely a penalty. And you can't do it. But you sort of also understand why it happened. At least I do. Yeah. It's a bang, bang, tough play. Because if he catches that ball, you want to hit him out of bounds. Right. Basically, it was a penalty because he didn't catch it. That's tough. But you talk about missing Eddie Jackson. Third and five on that drive. Bears went to their dime package. And DeAndre Houston Carson. Oh, yes, yes. The far sideline from the press box. DeAndre Houston Carson's in the game for Deion Bush, who's in the game for Eddie Jackson. So you have the trickle-down effect down the depth chart. It was just bad coverage by DHC on that play. They get the first down there. Easy matchup. Easy matchup. They get. He got turned around. He got completely yep. spun easy around. Easy matchup. I remember it. And it was an easy first down on another opportunity to get off field on third down. 
Then you get the 12 men on the field. I think that was the exact the exact next step. Uh, snap, excuse me. And it it looked like Sherrick McManus didn't get the memo that they weren't nickel. Maybe that's his fault. It's also the coach's fault. That comes yeah. down to the position coaches. Position coaches are the ones that are directing which one of their players at their position groups on the field on yeah, every play. Yeah, there's some mass confusion. And I, there's a worse one coming up. You could get to it. Then you get the Prince DPI on Jordan Matthews. That Those plays happen in the regular season, too. It's a jump ball. It was pass interference, but it was a, it was a bad penalty. Then you get the 10 men on the field. That's the bad one. So now Sherrick doesn't know he's supposed to be on the field. Again, I don't know if it was his fault, coach's fault, whatever. They could also call a timeout, and they didn't. It's not on the defensive players to call a timeout, though. Defensive players aren't really told to call a timeout. No. And although, it, although you'll see the best line. I've seen Brian Urlacher do it. Sure. But like we're talking to Adrian Amos in the locker room Monday on cleanout day, and he's like, yeah, we could have called timeout, but that's not really our job. And he wasn't like, he was saying in a like I thought like a nice way of like, we're not taught to do that. So, could have done it. I, I don't think Brian he, Urlacher also had a lot more autonomy he, than uh, Adrian Danny, Amos, Danny Trevathan. Yeah, I, I just think, well, they should have. It's okay to have a little boldness in that situation. Sure. And realize, holy crap. Well, and if they do call it, no one can be mad at you. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. So I think it was Prince Mukamara who was actually counting guys at that time. Like, like he could tell. Like, somebody should have done it. You have mm-hmm. enough veterans on that line. On that defense, I should say, specifically. To do it. Danny Trevathan, Prince Mukamara, Adrian Amos. Been a starter for, what, four years? Yeah. All four years of his career. Bad coverage. Nick Foles threw that bowl to Dallas Goddard before he even cut. Good anticipation on the throw. Yeah. And then you go to the final drive, the missed tackles by Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller, I, I, you know, it's one of his weaknesses. He throws his body into guys too often instead of wrapping up. And it hurt him there. Then Deion Bush had a missed tackle a couple plays later. I still think you have the third and nine to Alshon Jeffrey down to the, the yeah, that, three. Yeah. Um, he lines up in the backfield. Gets a mismatch that they want. Adrian Amos in space. Like, to me, what bothered me when I saw it, like, Amos should not be one yard in the end zone. Yeah, he, he was too deep. He needs to be at the the down marker. Mm-hmm. And I get that. And that you, happened you, a couple you, times yeah, yeah, in the yeah, game yeah, where, yeah, like, like they, they were in zone coverage and they were too far back. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't enough underneath. And I understand you, you, you could sit back there and drive on plays, but you needed to be on the... Like maybe that's Randy Jackson as a miss because he could actually do that with 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 speed and instincts. But now the only thing I will say is the ultimate goal there is to keep them out of the end zone. So he's thinking he's taking. I'm thinking he's taking his depth to make sure that he can come up, and make sure whoever catches the ball doesn't get in the end. zone. Okay, so beyond the end, be, but yeah. it was third down. There's still a first down there, and there's a first down there. Great play call. It was great, a great play call. I mean, Doug Peterson. Had some phenomenal calls down the stretch, and the touchdown on fourth down, I, you know, Leonard Floyd's in his face. He shifts his arm out to the right and, like, sort of just flicks a sidearm pass on the money. Nick, Fo- I, Nick Foles was so so close to screwing this game up. He checked out of two plays at the goal line that Doug Peterson said later. 
They, they tried to run that play three times. He checked it a run twice, and Doug Peterson had to call timeout to tell Nick Foles, do not check out of this this time. But I'll give him all the credit in the world because that pass on fourth down was on the money. So, look, you had seven plays that could have gone either way, matter of inches. You had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six plays that I would consider bad ones for the Bears, that they... For a team that was 12-4, and four, you're not thinking they're going to happen in a playoff game. And, you know, that all adds up to why the Bears lost this game way before it came down to a Cody Parkey field goal. And then I'll bring up another thing that, that I, I didn't want to kill them for this until I was able to go back and re-examine what happened on that final drive. Everyone was up in arms about the timeout that wasn't called on first down. Uh, once the Eagles got in. And I always say, and I've, I've preached this for years, John Fox screwed this whole thing up in Detroit a few years ago. They lost the game. As soon as it's first and goal for the opponent in a situation where if they score, they go ahead, you start calling your timeouts. That's just how, how it should be. Now, I understand where Matt Nagy was coming from. Oh, you wanted one. What? A timeout. Well, he could have called timeout. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm no, not, but no, he wanted one for his own. Right, he yes, went for yeah, his own drive. Yeah, yes. So I'm I'm not that upset about that situation. But let's go to then the Bears' drive. So once they get the football, now they're trailing. I didn't like when they used their timeout. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my I, God. I can't believe I, I've been I've been talking about that for a while. I talked about that in the studio with uh, our sports director, Dave Ennett, and I, nobody has really been talking about taking that timeout way too early on, way too after the early. pass to Robinson. Um, yeah, so the first the first play on that drive, and it started at their own 42 after the great return by Tariq Cohen, was an incomplete pass to Taylor Gabriel. Then Trubisky hits Robinson deep for 25 yards. And they burned a timeout. Now, that play happened with 44 seconds. Timeouts called at 35, so nine seconds come off the clock. But there was two situations where the Bears could have either could have clocked the ball or did clock the ball. And in both cases, the point I'm getting at here is they didn't seem prepared for the situation. And I think this goes to the inexperience factor. Whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Matt Nagy, I would say both as the head coach yeah. in his first playoff game here, and it's not like the Bears had a. I mean, they had some games this year where the clock it did come down to the wire, but not like this. I would have preferred to see them run up and clock the ball there, especially because it uh, it was a first down. Instead, they burned their last timeout with 35 seconds left. Um, which then, then limits your playbook. You know, right. going forward, and then also if you get sacked, or you know, I like to have the the timeout in the back pocket in case you know something bad happens. Exactly. It, so now you can't you you can't use the whole field. You got the Eagles kind of know that they can um, squeeze you in tight. I don't know. I just I really did not like that timeout, but I I didn't like it when it happened. And the more I went back and rewatched it, I did not like it. Cause, so then the next play is they go the short pass to Allen Robinson for eight yards, but he doesn't get out of bounds, and now they have to spike it. But you watch it. Re- Trubisky's looking to the sideline. He's asking, you got to know before you start that play that if he doesn't get out of bounds, you're going to spike the ball. You shouldn't be waiting for your coach to tell you. But I'm not blaming that on Trubisky, but because the, the, the coach should tell him that before the play. Yep. Yep. 
Like, they should be on the same page there before the play. It shouldn't be, okay, we got eight yards, but he's inbounds. Now what do we do? Yeah. That should already be predetermined before you run that play. So between the, the timeout being called when it was and then not knowing to spike the ball in the next one, because, um, let's see, I think that it cost them a few seconds, at least a few seconds. So... Let's see, that they then ran the next play with 15. I think they would have at least had 20. Which gives you the opportunity to run a play and spike. And spike. Yeah. Now it's your third down, though. It doesn't matter because yeah. the next play you're kicking, whether it's fourth down or it's first down, because you get the first down. Unless you, you get have, sacked. Correct, which is why if you go back to the first half, right before halftime, they ran a draw. Well, you can't spike after a third down. Yeah, that's my point. So if you, you know, if you're planning on, okay, well, we can still sp- we can still spike it coming up. If it's third down and you get sacked, now you're really in trouble. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But that also applied on the play they ran. They ran a third down play. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, the, over the yeah, top. Yeah, but through the end zone. Right. But you you could still run a quick slant. Anything. You can't run a quick slant in that instance. No way. No way. Absolutely not. If you have five more seconds, you absolutely okay, if can't. You're going That's what your I'm scenario. saying. Okay, yeah. It gives you way more options, and you could still do a quick pass where you're not going to get sacked. What if the slant doesn't get you the first down? If you run a one-yard slant, then everybody should be fired well, in the franchise. Well, well, well they're going to be... I don't even know how that's possible. They're, they're, they're going to run a... They're going to man you up. I, I just think it gives you... They're going to press coverage you. There's going to be a good jam. The threat of being sacked was there anyway. If you have five more seconds, you have more options. It still takes... You're right. It takes running the football out of the picture because... Oh, if, yeah. If it's you come it's up, absolutely not in the picture. Because yeah, if yeah. you come up short, you can't spike it on yeah, fourth down. Yeah. Um, you're right. But I think there would have been there would have been more time to try throw to the sideline, a riskier play that would have gotten you more yards because you could have gotten to the line and spiked it in time. Yes. Yes. And if you didn't and if it well, was well, incomplete, then the clock stopped. I I think the the inexperience of both the head coach and quarterback were obvious in that final minute. That final 48 seconds. Which is too bad because they executed the play. Yes. I mean, they executed and they still had a chance at the end of the day, which is the, the impressive part. I don't want to call it amazing because they still did their job. They still had the chance to win the game. But yes, to your point, I think in the postgame podcast, let's get your kicker a little closer considering his, his struggles beyond 40. But at the end of the day, it came down to one play. Yeah. Win the game. And, and by the way, I got some questions on Monday from some of the other reporters on the beat. Like, why are you so concerned about the the throw to the end zone there and not trying to get more yardage instead of taking that shot? And that, that that's that's what I was trying to get at was like, did you think about throwing a risky throw to the sideline just to get five more yards yeah. or anything yeah. like that? I think if they had handled the couple plays before that better with the clock. Not calling a timeout on the first one, keeping the timeout in their back pocket, or just being more assertive about sna- about spiking it. Yeah, yeah. 
They I, let at least five seconds come off. Yeah, Joe. I also didn't like the way he answered your question about that. You know, where he was talking about leaving time on the clock and, the, you know, the potential of them coming back. It's like, listen, man, once you get to that territory, you worry about kicking the ball later. Like, you need to put your p- kicker in the best position possible. If you're worried about leaving as few seconds as possible, like, that's best case scenario, sure. Like, you got to go win the game. You got to go put points on the board. Yeah. I-, I thought to throw it over the top or whatever, to, to waste time in that situation was just a little, uh-uh. I don't think that it was, um, it was a matter of wasting time. I think part of the risk that Nagy was didn't want to take was the potential of getting tackled inbounds and ev- having everybody do the fire drill running out there. But you practice that too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you prepare for those situations as well. So um, I, I thought inexperience was an overrated storyline going into this game. I was proven wrong because I think the only way you get experience is having those experiences. But the Eagles experience showed in some plays, not all plays, they didn't play all, all that well. Because, I, and I don't even need, this doesn't even need to be a moment where we're like, well, Tom Brady wouldn't have looked to the sideline or Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have looked to the sideline know what to do. I don't think Nick Foles would have looked to the sideline. Nick Foles went to the Super Bowl last year. He, he would have known what to do there too. And I, again, I'm not, I'm not saying this is Mitch's fault. What I'm saying is he's a second-year quarterback playing in his first playoff game, and the head coach has a responsibility too before they run that play that you should know. So... You got some uh, updated Fangio news here? Uh, the reports are out there. Hang on, hang on, hang on. All right, what do we got? Vic Fangio is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. And the Bears offseason. All right, let's continue this love fest. Is now a busy one. The love fest is over. Do your research. Well, we were uh, purposely putting this podcast off a little bit, stalling to see if we could get some uh, Vic Fangio news. And um, we didn't know if it would happen while we were recording, as we record on Wednesday morning, but it appears it has. So the Bears are going to need a new defensive coordinator. Um, wow. So first of all, let's talk about the Vic Fangio side of this. It, it was interesting how he only ended up getting interviews with one team. It was supposed to have an interview with the Dolphins, and that ended up not happening. At least that's what was reported. So he has the interview with, with uh, the Broncos on Monday uh, had a follow-up dinner with John Elway in Chicago on Monday night, and uh, they took a couple days. It was down to him and Mike Munchak, it sounded like, the uh, the Steelers' offensive line coach. and Former Titans head coach. Like I said, I, I just felt like if he had the opportunity, he was going to take it. And I, I don't know that this is the safest position because of no, John, John Elway's no, uncertainty. No, no absolutely I, not. I do know that defense, though, is primed to be awesome with a good defensive coordinator like Vic Fangio. That's fine. They were good this year. Pretty good this year. Yeah, but, I mean, you got Von Miller, so he's got his Khalil Mack over there. Yeah, I'm just looking Derek at Wolf's re- reasons why he would want to go there. Yeah, be Very interesting to see who he... Hires on the offensive side of the football. Well, weren't those? Weren't there some Gary Kubiak yeah. rumblings? 
Yeah. I don't know what type of role that is specifically. That seems awkward considering he was just a head coach, won the Super Bowl. Still working. That's a very interesting a lot of situation. A lot of returning players. Um, but anyway, I'm not surprised he takes the job. 60 years old. He's made it very clear he's wanted to be a head coach. This is his opportunity. And the fact that he only got one interview after this season. Yeah. You got to take it. I mean, you got if that's what you want to be, you don't know that it's gonna. you're ever going to get the opportunity again. If, if after this performance this year, you only got one interview and you're seeing the trend of the NFL to go offense, 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 I, I think it's absolutely the right move for Fangio, even though there is some doubt about John Elway's future there and how long he's going to be around. Um, but a good opportunity for him. you got to find yourself a quarterback. Yes. Case Keenum. Where are the Broncos drafting this year? Uh, I'll look it up. I don't think... Uh, where, where Fangio is going to struggle is he won't have the, the young quarterback, the offensive mind, tandem. I mean, if, maybe John Elway has worked something out with Gary Kubiak. Maybe you trade for a, a Derek Carr. Could be possible. Nick Foles. Broncos are picking 10th. They're in a win-now window. That's how John Elway operates. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna go after a quarterback free agency again. Case Keenum only got, what, a two-year deal? Three-year deal? I forget. I think it was three. I'm rooting for Vic, though. I, I, I'm so, I probably sound very uh, pessimistic about his chances there, but he needs a quarterback. And Case Keenum's not awful, right? but Case Keenum's still Case Keenum. How about this? The Bears go to Denver next year. Yeah. Sounds like an early trip for a whole good John's podcast. The schedule is fascinating. Yes, yes. There was good matchup after good matchup after good matchup, and now one of the easier matchups you maybe you thought you had, Vic Fangio's the coach on the other sideline. Very, very, very interesting. Um all right. The Bears side of this. This has been a bad week for the Bears. I mean, not only do you lose, like but the Broncos couldn't have hired Fangio this week. And with the emphasis of moving quickly with these hires and how interested they staff building. it really seemed like it was like Elway spent a lot of time debating between Munchak and Fangio. We don't know this for sure, but my guess is Vic Fangio would not have gotten this job had the Bears won on Sunday. Yeah, John Elway does not strike me as a patient man. Right. And they would have had to, they, maybe, maybe he waits it out another few days, seeing if they lose to the Ram, Rams on Saturday. But given how this was going this week, and it seems like it really was a tough decision for him to make, I, I, I'm guessing he would have just gone and hired Munchak. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm interested to see what, what type of trickle-down effect this has. We know Andy Reid, when his guys leave, he just lets them go by themselves. He does not let them take anybody else. Mm-hmm. But if Vic Fangio wants to promote Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, we know they are very close. Does that happen, or does Ed Donatel become your defensive coordinator here? According to a lot of reports, Todd Bowles is going with Bruce Arians to Tampa. And he, of course, has that connection to Matt Nagy. Yes, they've known each other forever. This is interesting. Very interesting. Is that hiring locked up? Like, is that official that he hired Todd Bowles, or is that just... Reports. 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 
I don't know if Ryan Pace could work his things happen. Subversive magic. Oh yeah, I mean there are the guys yeah. switching all the time. Yes, and, until that signature is on that dotted line, and in some cases, if you're USC, that signature does not mean much. <laughs> I I uh, we'll talk about Cliff Kingsbury here in a little bit. Um, because if I'm Todd Bowles, I understand. I mean, he goes back to Bruce Arians and this guy gets to live in Tampa and all that. But which defense would you rather be the coordinator of? One of the worst ever or one of the best ever? <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, that, yeah. that's that's uh, that that's interesting. Um, I definitely. I mean, I could tell you for sure, Ed Donatel is in play to be promoted. He's also his contracts up. So he has the freedom to leave. Now, we heard just this week Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy talk about how Andy Reid was like, nope, you're not taking any of my assistance with yeah. you when you leave. So the Bears have every right to say that, too, except the one problem is Donatel doesn't have a contract. Didn't re-up his contract. Maybe this is why he didn't re-up his contract. Um, so he could go be Vic Fangio's defense coordinator in Denver. I would imagine, though, that Vic's going to retain play calling. Yes. So staying here in Chicago would give him the opportunity to actually be the Vic Fangio of, you know, be the defensive head coach like right, Vic right, Fangio right, right. was this year. And Donatel is actually, I think, older than Vic Fangio. I think he is, too, by like a year or two. He's been a defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator in three different spots. What, Packers? Colts? No, that's not right. Fangio was there. He was Packers, Falcons, and then um, Washington in 2008 for a year. So he has eight years of being a defense coordinator in the league. Of course, the league's changed a lot since then. And he hasn't done it since 08. That's when he uh, went to Denver as their secondary coach, 49ers with Vic Fangio as DB's coach, and then here. So doesn't, He doesn't quite have the, the, the mob boss, Italian gangster, evil genius reputation. Those are all descriptions that the Bears players used of Vic Fangio this year. He doesn't exactly have that, but in the, for the sake of continuity, there's value in that. Lots of value in that. Greg Williams is available. I thought he had like 50 head coaching interviews. Right. Up. Something, yeah. you know, there may have been only eight open, but I, I understood that he had like 50 <laughs> options. I like the idea of promoting Donatel. But it is kind of an unknown of you know how he would execute the defense, but it would maintain the most continuity, right? I mean, it would, and he's done a tremendous job with Kyle Fuller. He's done a tremendous job with Eddie Jackson. When Bryce Callahan went down, he should get credit for Bryce Callahan too. And when Bryce Callahan went down, Sherrick McManus played the best nickel defense we've seen him play when he's gotten those opportunities. Yeah. So can I can I play devil's advocate sure. for a little bit? I mean, his last stop at the defensive coordinator position was what ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You happen to wonder why is that? You know, the game is changing. Sure, and I, he is sixty one. Vic Fangio sixty. Yes, yes. Now you don't have to worry about you know uprooting a family. All Adenatel's kids are grown. We've actually seen them around House Hall a little bit. His grown children. Um, it's interesting. To be honest with you, the Bears should, even if it has to, happens to be brief, explore outside options. I think it's just the, the right thing to do. 
Yeah, I think it is too. And and let's let's also realize this is going to be a very coveted job. Yes, I mean you're getting arguably the best defense in the league. You're getting Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, all pros in your secondary with Eddie Jackson and yeah. Kyle Fuller. This is going to be a coveted job. You know, off the top of my head, because you, if you're thinking to go young, Matt Nagy is a younger coach. I mean, this does technically open up the possibility. I don't know that you want to do this, but you could change schemes. Um, you do have guys. Now, I, there's a number of reasons why I wouldn't want to do that. And the, the number one is Akeem Hicks has clearly been better in a 3-4 than he was when he was in a 4-3. But you do whole part of Vic Fangio's thing is versatility. And there's a lot of those guys up and down that D-line that can play, I think, in multiple schemes. Yeah, well, I mean, you spend so much time in sub anyway. Right. You know, it, it's just the, the nature of the beast now with these pass-happy teams. If I had one complaint about Vic Fangio's defenses this year, sometimes I wanted to see more pressure. You know, like may, maybe some complete zero stuff. Um, the Patriots game stands out to me. Um, obviously, the defense was still outstanding. Um, obviously, he knows a lot more about defense than me. But um, it, it'll, I, with an with a offensive-minded, be-aggressive coach, I wouldn't be surprised if he found a defensive-minded, be-aggressive coordinator for his team as well. Well, the name I was going to bring up is in Dallas. Um, Chris Richard. The old Seahawks. Assistant is he not? But he's not old. He's thirty nine, yeah. um, and he's been with um, the uh, the Cowboys this year as their defensive backs coach. But Rod Marinelli has given him uh, a lot of say over their passing defense. Like he basically coordinates the passing defense, and he's I believe he's gotten some head coaching interviews here too. I think he might have interview with the Dolphins. I want to say, um, don't quote me on that. But anyway. I don't know how versatile he is, but the Seahawks, well, I think they're technically 4-3. They are very multiple in their defense, yes, too. Yes, yes. So he could adapt, come to Chicago, not necessarily switch all the way to 4-3, but run a lot of young, you know. He might make more sense than hiring a 61-year-old defensive coordinator. Right, right. Because just because it's work with Vic Fangio doesn't mean it'll work with Ed Donatel. Although, I mean, you would think the guy that's been working under Vic for this long with these same players and has developed a lot of these players here would basically call a very similar defense. Yeah, but there's so much more to that, you know? Vic Fangio's different charisma, I think, played a role in that. The leadership part of it plays a role in Mm -hmm. it. Look... Maybe we have to learn more about Donatel. He has been an assistant. He has been a defensive coordinator, but he's been an assistant for 10 years since then. Maybe he doesn't want to be the defensive coordinator anymore. I don't know what type of opportunities he's had since then. I mean, he has been part of good defenses since then. Maybe the promotions didn't come about for, for various reasons. So there's a lot more in play for these coordinator positions than just being good with X's and O's and play calls. But I did already hear a sports radio caller call, her, call him Ed Donatello this morning. Donatello? Donatello. Donatello. <laughs> so that opens up a whole another possibility for fun for us, which is really what I'm worried about. Donatello. Yeah. Donatello. All right, well. Very underrated Ninja Turtle. Donatello. Right. 
Now that, uh, well, now this is interesting because we've been waiting to find out if there would be a press conference this week with um, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. It felt like they were waiting for the Vic Fangio domino to fall, whether he was staying or going. And I would think they'd still have a press conference now, not wait until they hire a new defense coordinator. But Well, I'm sure in that time period, they... <clears throat> They had to prepare themselves for this possibility. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've actually, knowing how Ryan Pace operates, I'm sure he already had a short list in his mind just in case something was happening. Oh, absolutely. you got to be prepared. It's the model of the Boy Scout. Let's be prepared. Yeah. It'll be interesting. But now, you know, finally get the press conference. I feel like they've been waiting for this. Yeah, well, hopefully... Some, some finality to the Vic Fangio The reason situation. I brought that up is because we'll do our next episode after that pod, or after the press conference to tie up the rest of the season. Uh, all right. What else do we talk about here before we get out here? The Vic Fangio thing is big. Um, the Packers have a new head coach. Did you hear about that? Matt LaFleur? Mm-hmm. The guy from Dodgeball? Cram it up your cram hole, LaFleur. The guy from Dodgeball. The- yeah, well, that was White Goodman. <laughs> I know, I know. Vic Vaughn. But um, I'm sure that that the Bears fans basically have this message. Oh, and LeFleur, best bring your bib, because it's going to get messy. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, so the Packers hire 39-year-old Matt LeFleur. We now have a Matt Patricia, a Matt Nagy, and a Matt LeFleur. Oh, poor Mike. And Grandpa Mike. The Grandpa Mike. <laughs> Although some people do call Matt Nagy Mike Nagy. <laughs> the same people who call Kyle Fuller Kurt. And that is a clean pick by Kurt Fuller. <laughs> Boy, this seems like a copycat hire, though, doesn't yeah. it? I love the jokes about, you know, if you just know Sean McVay, you're going to get a head coaching job. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> Well, you just watched that movie today or something? <laughs> I want to. I didn't. I just pulled a bunch of the best stuff from Dodgeball. Um, like in, in the Cardinals press release announcing the hiring of Cliff Kingsbury. Did I, even, did I say his name right? Cliff I don't think Kingsbury. I did. Kingsbury. It called him a friend of Sean McVay. Yeah. What the hell is that? Wow, we got more breaking news right now. Browns have a head coach. Freddie Kitchens. So why didn't they just make him the interim coach earlier then? Because he was already there, and then they made Greg Williams. Greg Williams and his thousands of coaching interviews requests. Yeah, yeah. Here's Here's the real reason why I like the Freddie Kitchens hire. Because Joe Thomas, I respect Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas has been pushing for this guy for days, even longer than that. He played for him. The one guy over the last 10 years that knew what he was doing in that organization was Joe Thomas. Yes. So if Joe Thomas says this guy should be the head coach, I trust him. How This whole Brown situation stands out to me because it, it shows just how much the influence of a head coach can have on like his, his underlings. You know, like how John Fox used to say, co- coordinated all three? Yeah. And how, look, it was clear as day that he eliminated Adam Gase. It was clear as day that he eliminated 
Dow Loggins. Look at the Hugh Jackson thing and, and the Browns. Freddie Kitchens now their head coach. This is not like the the Dirk Cutter Lovey Smith situation. I don't see it like that, but because Hugh Jackson's an offensive mind, but it just shows how much power and how important I mean, this this goes back to Vic Fangio and just in terms of playing uh, of coordinating all three right. as John Fox would say. Well, uh, there's been some interesting hires here. Uh, first, back to the floor. So they basically do exactly. And Matt Nagy was 39 last year. Bears hire him. He's the offensive coordinator um, under Andy Reid. That's a big difference because Lafleur was only with wasn't he only with um, just a year McVay for a year. Yes. The reason he went to Tennessee was because he was able to get play calling duties. Most of the reports I read out of Tennessee is that he did a good job this year, even though the offense wasn't necessarily outstanding. Uh, and again, it goes back to, because I've talked to a lot of, you know how many Packer fans I know in my life, friends from college and uh, family up there, and they've all been asking me, like, oh, this guy's you know calling plays for one year. Well, Matt Nagy called plays for six games. All right. There's too much of a fixation, I think. And, and this goes for the teams, too. Like, how well you work with the quarterback, how you run your offense, how you call plays, blah, blah, blah. What matters? And we learned this with Matt Nagy over the last year. Can you be a head coach? Yeah. Can you push the right buttons on the entire team? Culture. Can you get through accountability. a season healthy? And that's a lot of that's out of your hands. But know how to handle all those issues when they come up. These were all decisions that I thought Matt Nagy throughout the year nailed. So I have no idea if Matt LaFleur can do all that. Just like I had no idea if Matt Nagy could a year ago. Yeah. We had a lot of questions about him. Sean McVay. A lot of, he's 32 years old. 33 years old. What is he? 25? I think he's 19. Yes. Yes. Young. You know, I once crossed paths with him at Prime, at the Combine. Oh. I should be a head coaching candidate. Oh, you did breathe the air. I also took part in that conference call with him this year. You did too. Oh, yeah. We're I, all head coaching candidates. I could be a head coach. Yes. Yes. Well, Cliff Kingsbury's a head coach. Yes. Because How he, about that, man? So he gets fired from Texas Tech, hired by USC to be the offense coordinator, which I thought was odd at the time because I had been hearing that he was going to get an opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. If I was hearing that, he should have known that. Yeah. I think he did know that. There's no rules. and There was that report this week that like USC wasn't letting him interview. I mean, that's basically just they're threatening to fire him Yeah, if he does because there's actually no rule that says you can't do that it's not like teams it's not like you can get blocked like you can in the nfl yeah yeah so anyway that one's interesting because again so he helped develop mahomes yeah and that's why and he's running a, a you know an innovative offense but can he be a head coach yeah it didn't work in college but college is way different than the NFL. yeah we don't know you definitely don't know you know like the best college coaches nick saban for example not exactly a great NFL head coach. It's yeah. different. Pete Carroll is the one who transcends it, but I think a bit, of, a bit of a different personality than a Nick Saban. It's just different, different animal. Yeah. Well, the dominoes are falling, and the big one for the Bears today, Vic Fangio is headed to Denver to be the Broncos head coach, and uh, you know, just say what it is. It's been a tough week um, with. 
The Bears. Yes. This is salt so, on the open wound. Yeah. It'll be interesting. But it's to a s- long time coming for Vic. He deserves this. Yeah. It absolutely. I'd is. be concerned about the situation. I really would. Not having a quarterback is a problem. Your, your GM, the guy that just hired you, only has got one year left on his contract. Has not been good. They have not been good since Peyton Manning left. See what happens. Yeah, and we'll see what happens with the Bears' defensive coordinator. I'll, I'll say this: I, if I had to guess right now, I think either Ed Donatello will be promoted or Todd Bowles will be the Bears' defensive coordinator. He did not sign that contract in Tampa, and I don't know. I know he has that connection with um, Bruce Arians, but why would you want to go be the Buccaneers defense coordinator when you could inherit what's going on here with the Bears. Yeah. And that bond with Matt Nagy is strong too. Like if you want to be a head coach again, which path should you take? I don't think they've ever coached together, but I mean they know each other from how much older is Bowles again? He was like Oh well, no, he's older. So maybe it'd be awkward for him. Maybe maybe they don't want to ruin their friendship, but Maybe some friendships are meant to be tested. Yeah. And Arians stepped away once before. You know, obviously you're not expecting him to just coach one season, but I would think that, you know, Bulls is closer to the front of the line if he goes to Tampa Bay than if he came here. Like, he's not going to be the Bears head coach anytime soon where he could be Tampa's head coach sooner than that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And things are flying right now. There's another report out there that Chris... Uh, Richard might get the Dolphins head coaching job. So, wow. Yeah. That's just a young young name that crossed my mind. So, um, as a po- I have no idea if the Bears would be interested, but that seemed to make sense. I don't know. The Todd Bowles thing is interesting. I would think if the Bears could get Todd Bowles, they would do that over keeping Ed Donatel. Yes. But if Bowles decides to go with Bruce... That makes sense. I, 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 I think content. Bulls would bring a different flair here. Aggressive, blitzing. You may need a more athletic safety than Adrian Amos. Could be exciting. Could be exciting higher if, if Matt Nagy can make it work. All right. Well, we should get out of here. It's been a long podcast, but there's a lot to talk to. Lot to talk about with the game, and we didn't know what was going to happen with Vic Fangio. Turns out the news breaks right in the middle of the podcast. So that was actually kind of cool. Not cool. The Bears are losing Vic Fangio, though. All right, let's continue this love fest. Oh, he's got a big love fest coming tomorrow. In Denver? Yes. They get to talk to him every day. That's kind of cool. Yeah. wonder how he'll be out there at those press conferences. With their thousand radio stations watching. Radio Row all lined up. During training camp practices. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. All right, we'll see. Todd Bowles, Ed Donatel, anybody else? We'll see. It'll be fun. All right, we gotta get out of here again. We will uh, get you another episode as soon as we hear from Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy. Things are very fluid this week. Stay with us. We'll get you another episode. Follow us on Twitter in the meantime for all the updates. At Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read us at wgnradio.com slash bears chicago sometimes.com. Thanks to Joe Romano for being here with us today. We'll talk to you very, very soon. When? We don't really know, but it'll be soon. Talk to you soon. Do your research.